Hi, this is Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to week four of our look through First and Second Samuel, day one of week four. We're going to look at First Samuel 17 the next two or three days. This is the story, the most famous story in these books, the one that everybody knows, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, wherever you live in the world, you know this story. It's the story of David and Goliath. Now, let me just catch you up to where we are in First and Second Samuel. We're doing this study of the heart. Really, First and Second Samuel are a matter of the heart. They talk about our heart. And we've looked at Samuel, the man with an open heart. We're through looking with him. He's off. He's gone to heaven now. Uh, This week, we're going to look at David, the man after God's own heart. We're going to look at Saul again, the man with a troubled heart. And then next week, we're going to look at Jonathan, the man with a divided heart. We're walking through looking at how God works on our heart. And for much of the rest of 1 and 2 Samuel, we're going to be looking at David. A little bit this week. And then after Jonathan next week, we're going to be focusing on David, who is called in the scripture, a man after God's own heart. You can see it in 1 Samuel 13, 14 and chapter 16. What a title, what a title for this man that served God. Now, why did David get such a powerful tribute? He certainly wasn't perfect. You probably already know that about his life. So it's not a matter of perfection. Why was he called a man after God's own heart? We're going to see as we walk through the rest of this study in the weeks to come, five qualities in David's life that come to light. Number one, faith. Number two, submission. Number three, compassion. Number four, humility. And number five, worship. And those are the five qualities that I see in the life of David that made him a man after God's own heart. Each of these qualities were vibrant. They were alive in David. And they help you and I to see how we can live also. Now, today, the next few days, we're going to look at the first of those qualities, David's faith. He had the kind of faith that could turn the impossible into a victory, like David and Goliath. For David, faith was much more than just theology. It was more than stained glass windows and organ music in some old church. For faith, David meant life. It meant risk. It meant stepping into the unknown. It meant trusting beyond the probable. It meant fighting lions and defeating overwhelming armies and capturing enemy cities. Faith meant facing Goliath. So we're going to look at David and Goliath these next few days, the story of the kind of faith that turns impossibilities into realities, into victories. And we're going to see two things about this kind of faith. We're going to see what this kind of faith has to overcome, and we're going to see what this kind of faith has to choose. Now, let me begin 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, with the situation. We all know what it is, David and Goliath. It starts with this with Goliath in verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then in verse 16, For forty days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, David isn't in this battle. He's not there with the army. Remember, he's the youngest son. So he's back taking care of the household, taking care of the sheep in the household. But his father 
sends David up with a meal for, his, for the sons, for the rest of the family, with some bread and some cheese. And when he gets there, here's what happens in verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what had been said, telling him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. So here's the situation. David's come. He sees there's this opportunity. He sees that there is reward in the opportunity. He sees that there is this threat against God. There is this person who is telling everyone that God is not to be trusted, that God is not the greatest, and David can't stand it. So he begins to have faith, but immediately he faces some things that could steal his faith, some faith robbers. There are always going to be in your life, when you want to take something and see how God can do the impossible, there are people who want to make the possible impossible, faith robbers. They have statements and they have circumstances and they have ideas that will keep you from faith. They turn molehills into mountains. They turn possibilities into impossibilities. These are the kinds of people and statements that change the focus of your life from God to the reasons you can't. And David faces four of them specifically. Let's just walk through them because they're the same kind of things that you and I face that are going to rob us of faith. The first statement that will rob us of faith is, you're not ready. You're just not ready. This came from David's older brother, Eliab. In verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Verse 28, the first thing that David faced was this, you're not ready. You're out of place. You're taking advantage. His brother being angry at him. You notice, if you look at this, he questions his work. He says, you should be with the sheep. He even diminishes his work. He says, those few sheep in the desert, that's all you can really do, David. Why don't you get to all that you can do? And then he questions his character. He says, you're conceited. You're wicked of heart. Now, why does Eliab do this? Why do people sometimes say, you're not ready to have faith? You're not ready to take a great step of faith. Well, Eliab did it, same reason many other people do it, because of his own fear. People will tell you, you're not ready, when the truth of the matter is, they're not ready. You're not ready to share your faith when the truth of the matter is they're not ready to share their faith. You're not ready to go on a mission trip when the truth of the matter is they're not ready to go on a mission trip. You're not ready for a life of purity when the truth of the matter is they're not ready to live a life of purity. Just go to an amusement park sometime and go up to the roller coasters and watch the parents tell their kids how they're not ready to go on the ride. There's a, there's a park in our area that has a roller coaster literally called Goliath. Very fitting for our study this week. This roller coaster is 26 stories high. It goes 85 miles per hour. It has a near vertical 61 degree drop. You have to be 48 inches tall to ride this ride. Do you know how many parents walk up to that ride hoping their children are still 47 inches tall? Because they don't want to ride that ride with their kids. You're not ready, they say with a sigh of relief. Well, Eliab is saying to David, you're 47 inches tall. You can't get on this ride. You'll find in life that people that try to cut you down are usually short on faith themselves. It may be about sharing your witness or giving comfort to a hurting family or trying to teach a class. Your faith is going to be tested sometimes with this, you're not ready. You're 47 inches tall look from somebody else. And you've got to break through that. You look at God instead. 
The second challenge he faces is the phrase, you're not able. This came from Saul. Saul just literally says, you can't do it. Beginning in verse 31 to 33, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he's been a fighting man from his youth. Saul just said, you can't do it. Let's be realistic. You're only a boy. Let's be honest. You're never going to be able to do this. The world is filled with experts on why it absolutely can't be done. It's just a straightforward faith robber. And David faces it from the mouth of Saul here. Think of how many lives and hopes and dreams and futures have been destroyed by the words, you can't. And people still love to say it. Why? Because it keeps us all at the same level of mediocrity. As long as no one in the army is willing to fight the Goliaths, Everyone can be comfortable in their fear. But once someone steps out, we're all challenged. So Saul says, you're not able. A third challenge is, you're not me or you're not them. You're not this other person who maybe could do it better than you. This is what's called the Saul's armor syndrome. I've got to be like somebody else. Now, it comes from verse 38 when Saul finally decides, well, David's going to do it. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Saul is essentially saying, David, if I can make you more like me, maybe then you can accomplish this. Well, if it was for Saul to accomplish this, we'll talk about this later in the week, he should have gone and accomplished it. He should have been the one. David wisely saw, this is not for me. This is too big. This is too heavy. He, he was not the size of a Saul. So he would have been wandering around in this armor. And can you imagine how Goliath would have defeated him? David would have looked like a sardine in a can to, to Goliath. When you begin to make faith an adventure, there is someone out there who's afraid to make faith an adventure. And they'll always be willing to give you advice that'll ruin your faith. And one of the words of advice is, you got to be more like them to have faith. God made you to be you. The reason he made you to be you is you can have a faith in a certain circumstance that no one else can have. So you look for the people who say, let me help you to be more like Jesus. Not the people who say, let me help you to be more like me. You're not them. You're not me. And then there's the fourth challenge that he faced. Very simply, you're not serious. And this one comes from Goliath. In verse 40, then he, David, took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of the shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, and he saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He says, it's just a, a stick, a skinny stick you're sending up against me. Remember, David was a teenager most likely at this time at an age when words are taken to heart very seriously. But he didn't take those words to heart. Faith and risk and personal commitment, they are exciting concepts until this moment you face the Goliath, until your life is on the line. And then this thought, this doubt's gonna come into the back of your mind. You're not serious. The temptation comes to retreat to say, I, I better get away. I got to consider this a little bit more seriously. You see, there's always someone who's going to say, who do you think you are? 
There's always Satan in the back of your mind willing to put that doubt. Who do you think you are to have this kind of faith? And the question is not who you think you are. The question is who you know God is. And that's where you stand. We're going to talk about that more tomorrow as we see how David made his choice for faith. But today, I know that many people live in a place of discouraged faith. Someone has said one of these things to you at some point, and you've drawn back. You haven't taken that step of faith. Well, it's never too late. You can always take a step of faith. You're right on the edge of faith, but it keeps getting discouraged by someone who says, you're not ready, you're not able, you're not me, you're not serious. Well, God can break through that by his power, through his spirit. Let's pray right now together that he would. Father, we pray together that you'd do something in our lives that's above and beyond what we can do. Help us to break through these things that would rob us of faith. Help us to listen instead to you. We want to be humble. We want to listen to others and good, wise words of advice. But Lord, we also want to be faith-filled people. And those who would spread doubt into our hearts, Lord, help us to listen to you instead, to hear you instead. Let us live this adventure of faith that only you can give to us. And we pray that you would do this in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Amen. 